This is Alex. I'm from Boston. Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford. And we are the Premier Chess. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Rahul, we're going to talk a little bit about Champions League today, so maybe I should have changed what we were talking about as far as all things Premier League, but the Champions League round of 16 is over now. We're going to quarterfinals, draw coming up. How are you, my friend? I am doing wonderful. Why are you doing wonderful? Because we are finally in the final eight. Is that what it is? Yeah. I mean, look, we did our business last week. So yep. we were in the final eight. We won over the weekend. So I could put my, well, not not really put my feet up, but I could sit back, <laughs> relax, watch all the drama or the lack of drama this week that was in the Champions League and uh, be one of the two English teams in the next round. So I'm 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 doing wonderful. <laughs> One of the two English teams in the next round and the only English team to have won the Champions League. So if you're here because you're a Manchester City fan, first of all, thank you for being here. But also, sorry that you've not won the Champions League. Let's see what happens when we break down Manchester City a little bit later because they were fantastic. But let's start with Chelsea, Rahul. High-level question. What have you made of Chelsea's Champions League season so far? It's been a contrast to our... Premier League season. So, of course, we start off with the loss. I believe it was it was in Zagreb. Uh, and then Tuchel gets fired. But then we come back and we get a draw at home against Salzburg. Uh, we go and win twice against AC Milan. We come back and get the job done. We top the group. Uh, and if you look back to the first result I shared with, with you, at that point, we were almost like, you know, this is not a, a very difficult group, but we've made it difficult for ourselves with, with that loss. Well, we recovered well. Credit to Potter. Credit to the the boys. Um, they put in a good effort. They worked hard. Uh, I think I kind of sound like Potter, but no jokes aside. I think it, the group stage ended the way we wanted it to, and then we obviously drew Dortmund uh, back in November. It was I think right before the World Cup break, and I think we were fairly confident that we could take Dortmund on. Of course, they have some good players. They have some good young players. Uh, we made a meal of it eventually, but then we make it through, and and that's what we do, right? It's knockout football. I've said multiple times we're we're good with knockout football in terms of it's do or die, and we're like we're go- we're gonna get it done. So so far it's been good. Of course, it all depends on the draw, not just for the quarterfinal, but they're also gonna draw the semifinal fixtures. So we'll know the path to the final, but not trying to get carried away. Let's focus on on the final eight for the first. Uh, time what a lovely summary my friend i think that really encompasses chelsea's season in the champions league so far i don't want to talk so much about premier league with ups and downs but bar us losing one nail to dortmund i think we've been pretty consistent in the champions league okay you lose the opener and there was a lot of turmoil with thomas tuchel but overall the team seems to have excelled in the champions league and found a way to kind of stabilize the ship and perform in this tournament so high hopes but again We'll break it down by some of the other teams in the Champions League. And now that the round of 16 is over, should we walk through maybe the teams that are in there and maybe we can share our thoughts on their recent performances and maybe where they'll stand up. And after it, we can decide who we really want in the quarterfinals. Yeah, let's do it. So the Chelsea, obviously one of the eight, but the remaining seven are Bayern Munich, 
which are a tough team to face. Mm-hmm. Man City, which is the other English team. Inter Milan, AC Milan for the first time, Jackie, both in the quarterfinals from, I believe it was maybe 2006. I, I may be missing the, the exact year, but it was when, uh, and I'm sure you remember the pictures, when they were playing the game at the San Siro and all of a sudden there was flares and yeah, the game yeah. had to be stopped. Um, so it's the first time since then. Benfica uh, as a Portuguese team. Real Madrid and Napoli are the other two. And you've got Real Madrid and Napoli who are flying high, not only in their local leagues, but in the Champions League and Napoli in particular. I think before we started recording, Raul, I think you told me they were like, what, 15, 16 points clear at the top of the Serie A? 18 points clear wow. of Inter in second place. It doesn't help that Juventus are fighting some scandals and they're kind of low down there. But look, regardless of that, they've just performed really, really well this season and Keep that name, Napoli, in your mind, because when we change segments and talk about transfer rumors later, I'll bring them back up. But why don't we start with Bayern Munich, Rahul? Lots and lots of history there. In fact, we won our first ever Champions League in their backyard with all the Germans screaming and saying they're going to take this home, literally. But Chelsea do what Chelsea do, break the German hearts in Bayern Munich. In fact, we met a Bayern Munich fan when we were on tour this summer. And, I, and when I say this summer, I mean last summer when we were going around with Chelsea's preseason. And according to him, Bayern Munich fans have scrubbed their memories of 2012 <laughs> because it was humiliating and something that should have never happened. But look, for Chelsea fans, we can never scrub our memories of that first Champions League in Bayern Munich. We we never can. It's a standout moment uh, because it wasn't just about that night, right? It was everything that had led up to right. that final, the 2008 final, the 2005 semifinal against Liverpool with the ghost goal, the Barcelona 2009 semifinal with the last minute Iniesta strike, but all of the issues we had with the referees. It was an accumulation of of the heartbreak, the passion that we had for we want the Champions League, we want to win this Champions League. Roman had come in and said, this is what I want. Uh, we had won everything but the Champions League. It was it was the end of an era with Drogba, Lampard, JT, Czech. And when we started that year in 2011-2012, I don't think any of us were like, we're going to end this season lifting the Champions League. <laughs> we started with AVB. We ended with Di Matteo. And like you said, this is what Chelsea does. We we make things happen that no one can imagine. And and we did it in the most bizarre way because we have to take on Barcelona. We had to go to Bayern Munich, like you said, in Munich. And even then we go gold down. Drogba brings us back. I'm I'm almost like smiling as I as I go through it. But Bayern Munich are always a tough team. I mean, since then we faced them in the in the Super Cup. We faced them uh in the Champions League itself, actually under Lampard a couple of seasons ago. They eventually won on and went on and won the competition that season. But they're a tough team. I mean, they took PSG out in the last round. Uh, a lot was made about the fact that in the in that second leg, they they were able to bring on Sadio Mane, Kingsley Coman, Serge yeah. Gnabry, uh, and PSG fans were looking around. And were like, <laughs> our bench is so weak compared to Bayern. And you don't think about that, right? Because you look at PSG and you're like Mbappe, Neymar, Messi. But beyond that. It's kind of light, and Bayern are, are pretty stacked, but they're making do with a Chupa Moting, who mm. got relegated with Stoke, and suddenly here he is knocking PSG out. So, And I want to know who, the, who that man's agent is, because he went from a relegation 
to PSG to Bayern, and here he is lighting it up on on the biggest stage. But look, Bayern are always going to be a tough team, and uh, if you get him, we get him. But they always, and I think when we face them, when they hear Chelsea, suddenly their emotions go up, and they just yeah. want revenge, even though they've beaten us already. Uh, so they're <laughs> one I definitely don't want to face. But again, I I think we would fancy it if if it happens. We'll talk about who, who we fancy towards the end of the segment here, but I just pulled up Bayern Munich's results, and I think they've had a pretty solid run so far, Rahul, as they usually do in the Champions League. I think they've not lost a game, if I'm mistaken. I'm looking at the results here. 5-0 against Pilsen, 4-2 against Pilsen. They beat Barcelona. They beat Inter Milan. I think they made it look pretty, pretty easy. And then, of course, PSG, which if you look at the PSG team, they've kind of tried to win every single Champions League, every single season. They brought Messi in. They brought Neymar before. Mbappe is a mercurial talent. And I know we say they're light, but they do have the likes of Verratti, uh, Hakimi, other players like that that are very good. But at the end of the day, I think you've said it best. Bayern just have that depth and that quality. And while I think I want to be very careful with my words, Bayern Munich is almost expected to win the Bundesliga every season. So you know this team is built to win the Champions League because the Bundesliga is a cakewalk for them and a struggling Chelsea showed that when they were able to overcome Dortmund and that's with full respect to the Bundesliga but that's really the truth of what I've seen so far so they will be a dangerous side they've definitely been built for the Champions League and to try and go on a a deep run there so we'll see how that plays out in the next few games here but let's move on to the other team in England the one that have also been trying to build a squad to win the Champions League with a manager that was brought in to win the Champions League of course they know how to win the English Premier League very easily, four and five recently, but Manchester City, Rahul, previous game, seven nil. And Erling Haaland, I think, could have had a double hat-trick if he was not pulled off. I don't know where to go from here. One week, they're not so good against Liverpool, and then the next week, they're fantastic in the Champions League. What do you say about them? They, I mean, look, everything fell in place for them in this game. And I'm not taking anything away from Holland, but every time that ball went into the box, it just found a way to get to his feet and he got it in the back of the net. Uh, even with that, I believe the second one, uh, you know, KDB rips a shot, it hits the bar, and who's first to it? Holland. And you got to mm-hmm. give him credit, right? Because he's alive, he's sniffing these opportunities. and. And he's getting in position to say, you know what, I'll be the defender and score them, which is credit to him because uh, we would kill for someone like that on our team. Uh, but it was a Leipzig team that I think on the night just fell apart. They they couldn't sustain it. I think they conceded two goals pretty quickly. Man City were feeling it. And like I said, everything that Man City were touching turned into goals, similar to what Liverpool did to Manchester yeah. United. Um but you got to give Man City credit. You have to show up and, and do the job. And they did the job not just to expectation, but they, they exceeded everything beyond that. So they're going to be a tough team. And I think Holland said it himself in the post-match that I have come in to win the Champions League. Uh, this team had won la- the four of the last five Premier Leagues. So that's almost something that they do naturally. But I'm here to win the Champions League. And, and he becomes, I think, the second or third player to score five in a knockout game. Uh, so he's he's going to be a problem for any side that ends up facing him. But, you know, Man City do what Man City do. Pep does what he does. And 
Sometimes he overthinks it. Sometimes he tries to do too much. And that's where the other team benefits. But no, I think they've come close. They've lost the final. They've been in the semifinal in the last two years. So you never know. Maybe they'll go a one, one step beyond this time around. Hopefully not. That's all I can say. <laughs> Hopefully they won't go further than that. But one thing I'll say, it's kind of odd to be on the podcast and spend so much time talking about other clubs that are not Chelsea. But I think it's a fun little segment. And one thing I want to say, Rahul, I watched the Haaland interview after the 7-0 beating. And I think, with all due respect again to the German league, on paper, we all expected Manchester City to beat Leipzig. And I think that's that's a fair statement. However, what I noticed after it was Haaland's interview and the way he was so confident in his abilities. I'm not going to say Manchester City. I think it's his abilities and what he expect to, expects of himself. And I think he said he could have got more goals. He missed a few sitters. And I'm sitting here saying, dude, you just got five goals. Shut up and go sit on the bench. You don't need more. But you can see that hunger and that desire. And like you said, the way he capped off the interview saying, I was brought in to help. Or I don't think he even used the word help. I think he said I was brought in to win the right. Champions League. So it's definitely going to be a spicy fixture, whoever gets Manchester City, because you can see that they have a chip on their shoulder. And I'm not sure if that's the right word, but maybe Pep Guardiola has the chip on the shoulder because he's not won it in a long time. And he's got, at least he's assembled a fantastic squad over here. You've got some key players like the likes of KDB, maybe Gundogan, you know, that are trying to get there before they get to that, almost like the Lampards and the JTs and all that. They get to the end of their career and they said, I could have been one of the greats that won the Champions League. So I don't want to talk them up too much because I would love for them to go out <laughs> in the next round. But they do look like a fantastic side in the Champions League. And it looks like their focus is there as well. Do you do you think, though, if they... Of course, all depends on the draw and how it ends up. But if they get a favorable draw, they look around and they say, you know what? We're going to go for the Champions League. Yes, we'll fight our best with the Premier League, but... We're going to try a little bit harder this time around for the Champions League. You know what? I think they try very hard every season. But I think that your point is fair in the fact that they're five points away from Arsenal at this point in time. And I don't want to use this word, but maybe the hunger for the Premier League is not the same. It's like we've been there, done that, won it. Okay, Haaland may say, I won the Premier League and he's the top goal scorer by a mile. But the whole team has to be focused and energized and ready to do that. So... Yes, I would change my attention to the Champions League. And I think Pep Guardiola, he's fantastic at interviews, but you can kind of hear little snippets of, I'm not a good coach because I haven't won that. It's almost like he's shaming himself, but he's not. He knows what he's brought to the table, but you have to believe deep down in his heart. I don't think he won it with Bayern Munich either. So you've got to believe deep down in right. his heart. He's like, I can't have won one with just Barcelona and Lionel Messi. <laughs> City has spent millions upon millions upon millions and you know what, Rahul, if they're going to be sanctioned later on for all of this money they've spent, <laughs> you might as well get a Champions League before you go out the door. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, absolutely. They would turn their attention there and kind of focus, especially, like you said, a favorable draw, move on to the semis and just throw all fire at it. Yeah, and, and maybe Julia Roberts will show up to one of their games in the <laughs> Champions League. <laughs> Look, that's a beautiful way to attract her to come watch the <laughs> Manchester City. But let's move on and talk about Italy. Rahul. The Milan teams are back. San Siro is going to have multiple games in the quarterfinals. Let's start with Inter. Before I talk too much about Inter, let's talk about Lukaku. I mean, sorry, Romelu Lukaku. Let's put some <laughs> respect in his name. They squeeze through against Porto. Would you be interested in seeing what they can do in, the, in this quarterfinal? Do you think they have a shot to move forward? 
I mean, look, every team at this point has a shot, right? Regardless of how much we've we've spoken highly about Bayern and Man City, on the day, it's two games, you know what you have to do. Any team can can get the job done and move on. And that's the beauty of the Champions League is is teams do come alive and and put in everything to get it done. So Inter Milan are are one that we've kind of seen a resurgence. I mean, I think Conte went there maybe two, three years ago. He kind of put a squad together and got them where they needed to be. Uh, Lukaku is obviously back in the mix now. And I think the Inter president was speaking about him and said he's definitely going back to Chelsea at the end of the season. We haven't seen him with the fitness and, and the issues he's had. But he's the difference maker in this tie between Inter Milan and Porto where he scores the only goal. They hold on and they make it through. And and what do we say about it? Italian teams? They're always defensively solid. That's their focus. Of course, they'll they'll try to attack and get the goals, but ultimately they focus on defense. And I'm going to skip ahead just for a second. Even AC Milan made it through one, one goal, right? So that tells you that it's going to be tough facing them. They're going to keep it tight. They're going to make it difficult for teams to, to get through. But ultimately... Um, I do see a couple of teams with more quality, but I'm I'm not writing Inter or AC Milan off. I think they'll be they'll be difficult opponents. And San Siro, I think, is this is the final season there for both teams. They're they're going to break it down, and and so you never know. Maybe they they'll be inspired by that with the fact that they want to see Champions League football for as long as possible going into the semis there. But I think. Uh, if I as a Chelsea fan, now that we've covered the the top two, I guess with Bayern and Man City, I would be okay with an Inter or an AC Milan, and that could be fair competition. I'm just looking at Inter Milan's results, and they're not typically a high scoring team. Yes, they broke down Pilsen. Yes, they got a great game against Barcelona with threes, but Rahul, overall losing to Bayern a couple of times, even with Porto, Porto had a red card each time in their game. They squeeze through with the one nail and two legs. You know that it's difficult for them. So, I mean, it's going to be a tasty fixture, especially if we get them and we get to see Lukaku kind of there and see how his fitness is and what he's been doing, eating all that pasta and pizza in Italy and <laughs> maybe not being to his best form. But again, it's like you said, I think any team can beat anybody in this particular in this particular Champions League format. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. I think I would love to play them and just see what's going on over there. But Let's move on to the other side of Milan. You gave us kind of a little bit of a preview to that. Luckily for us, we've played them twice already, and we dismantled them a couple of times, I would want to say. With all due respect to AC Milan, what did you make of their Champions League run so far? They started off well. I think at one point they were they were aiming to finish top of our group. Obviously, the two losses against us didn't help. Uh, but I think we handled them well. And, and the good thing is if we do end up facing them at some point, Potter already knows what they want to do. He's kind of come in and, and faced those two games against them. Of course, the flip side is they know what Potter wants to do. But uh, on paper, you have to say that we've got the better better players. We've got the better squad. But again, it's AC Milan, and and I'm sure they'll want some revenge. Tamori will want some revenge. And uh, Giroud will always be Giroud with, with getting crucial goals. So yeah. it's not going to be an easy game. I think they're doing decently in, in, this, in Serie A, not where they wanted to be. I believe they won it last season, uh, but they sit in fourth. So uh, not where they want to be, but I'm sure they want to come back in the Champions League next season. And, and what other way to do it than than maybe going for that seventh title or, or eighth title, if I'm, if I'm wrong. But AC Milan have a great history. I think when we talk about Real Madrid, we will talk about the history. AC Milan have a lot of history in this competition, and, and maybe they can fall back on that in cer- certain cases where they have to ride their luck a little bit. 
But again, I think there are a few more teams in there that can take them on and give them more of a fight than Spurs did. In the last episode, you used the word, this is football heritage. (laughs) I think that's a good, with all fairness, with no comedic feeling behind it. I think that's the truth behind teams like Inter Milan and AC Milan, because when you talk about the likes of Champions League finals and fantastic semis and quarters and these teams that have gone on long runs with a fantastic 11 that just puts the fear in other teams. Inter and AC are some of those teams that have carried the likes of world-class talents. In fact, Chelsea have had the privilege of having Andres Shenchenko come over to us. Okay, he didn't he didn't carry Chelsea the same way he did AC Milan, but that's the point I'm trying to make is that's the football heritage they bring. And so hopefully whoever we get or whoever these two teams get it can be a fun little exciting tournament and it would be lovely to see both of them play each other. I don't even know if that's possible, but that would be an interesting fixture to watch overall. Let's stay in Italy, Rahul, and the team that's top of the Italian league and blowing things away in the Champions League as well, that's Napoli. It'll be an interesting fixture, whoever they get, because they seem like a well-put-together side and they seem like a, a good goal-scoring side as well. They they definitely are. They're averaging... 2.3 goals every game in the in Serie A. So that just tells you at least two goals are guaranteed and uh, they're keeping clean sheets. They've won 22 out of their 26 games in, in the league. So I, I think for a while, right, when Napoli were, or at least the, in the recent times that we've been kind of focusing on keeping tabs on them with Cavani, with, um, I forget the other guy, Lavezzi maybe, um, they were like the up, coming team and then they went under sorry carlo ancelotti was there Jorginho obviously has come from there uh Kulabali has come from there so they've always had decent players they've always made a good run in in syria but this season's different and i'm not trying to claim to be an expert on syria i, mean, I don't really watch it that much but from what i've seen napoli are just blowing teams away whether that's ac milan juventus inter milan you just go there and they'll hit you for two or three, maybe four, maybe five. Uh, and they're enjoying it. And that's what you want to see for a team that maybe aren't your first choice in, in Italy or even in Europe. Suddenly they're they're right there and they're saying, you know what? Most likely going to win the Serie A. Why not make a run out of the Champions League and see yeah. where we end up? And they've got a good team. I, I for, my li- for the life of me, cannot perform, uh, pronounce the name of that winger that they have. And right. maybe you can. But he's looking like a hot item in Europe and suddenly teams are looking around and saying he's the next hundred million pound signing or whatever. There's Orshman. I know we'll talk about him. So they have a good balance team. They don't have any superstars. I, I think that's fair to say, but they're developing these superstars and suddenly the the sharks, as Jose Marini used to call them, <laughs> sharks around Europe will come around and say, we want him or we want him. But and, and that's great for Napoli. They'll rebuild and they'll come back because that's what they do. I'm not even going to try pronouncing their winger's name, Raul. I think that's <laughs> unfair to him and unfair to me. But he's a young Georgian talent. That's as much as I can tell you right now. Maybe if he comes to the Premier League, we'll try and learn to pronounce his name. But he's doing fantastic. And I just want to run through Napoli's results for a quick second. 4-1 against Liverpool. 3-0 against Rangers. 6-1 against Ajax. 4-2 against Ajax. 3-0 against Rangers. Okay, at the end of the group stage, they lose 2-0 to Liverpool. That's not too bad. Beat Frankfurt 2-0 in the first first leg, 3-0 in the second leg. So they're a team that comes here and they blow teams away, like you said. They're not conceding too many either. 
But you look at some of the names, Rahul, Liverpool, Ajax, Frankfurt, they're not small teams out here that they're coming and giving them two or three goals. They're a team that's firing on all cylinders, for lack of a better word. And I think you picked the best word to describe them. I think they're enjoying that football at this point in time. I think they're playing with the team that has no fear. And so I don't want to say that's the team I would least like to get because I think, like I've said in the Champions League, anybody can beat anybody, but they're a team I would try to stay away from. At least I know I have some good memories because we lost 3-0 to them several years ago on the way to the final. And then we did that fantastic comeback 4-1, I believe it was, to get on onto the route to the final. So good memories, but I don't want to build some bad memories with Napoli, <laughs> at least this early on. Let's talk about you know Benfica next, where we had the Enzo Derby potentially coming back. He's returning so quickly to Benfica. What can you tell me about Benfica and their run to the quarterfinals? They've been a surprise. I mean, Benfica, again, they're one of those that have football heritage, like we've been saying. Right. Uh, but this season, they've been almost a breath of fresh air. They were in a group with PSG and Juventus. They come out on top of that. They've been flying in the Portuguese league. And I think they've only lost one game. Uh, they sit top. They've topped the group stage of the Champions League. They've just made it through. Uh, in the Champions League round of 16. They lost Enzo, and here they are still going. They lost Darwin Nunes last season. Here they are still going. So again, they're one of those that continue to produce players, and and that striker up front, I think his last name is Ramos, um, is another one player that this summer I expect will be on the move. So uh, they have some decent players, and I know I've told you offline that that's the one I would like to face, but I think I've changed my mind because... They're going to be fired up. I mean, the the negotiation for Enzo, how it went down, we kind of disrupted them a little bit. They were upset with us. Suddenly, there's a, a, a little bit of an uncomfortable feeling here. And it's not just because we beat them in the Europa League final about 10 years or so. Uh, it's all of this Enzo drama. And I know Enzo will be a professional and do the job, but I'd rather face another team that maybe won't have these these feelings towards us uh, stealing their player mid-season. Benfica is another one, Rahul, that have gone on this run with no losses in the Champions League, at least from what I can see here on their results. So you can see that they're a steely side. And I believe, yes, you're correct. Gonzalo Ramos is their striker. I think he's a young 21, 22-year-old. Ironically, Chelsea are linked with them because we're looking for a number nine. I'm sure Benfica do not want to negotiate with Chelsea. They do not want to hear us knocking on the door. <laughs> so... If we come to Benfica for a Champions League game, how fitting would that be to cause a little more drama and turmoil in, in both of these clubs' lives? But again, a, a great team. I think they need to be respected. I think they have a lot of talent that isn't necessarily what we would call those well-known, world-known talents, but they are absolutely fantastic players and they do the job when called upon. So we'll again talk about them towards the end when we pick who we're playing against. But let's go to the last one, Football Heritage. I think they're the ones that have won the most Champions League. We should change this to the Real Madrid Cup instead of the Champions <laughs> League. But I've talked about Real Madrid if you haven't. Rahul, we've played them before. We've gone past them a couple of seasons ago when we won our second Champions League. But we lost them last season and we couldn't go through. Could we get them again this season? It would It would kind of be fitting, right? Round three, they've won one, we've won one. Uh, and actually, the winner of this fixture has gone on to win the Champions League in the mm. last two years. So uh, that might be a sign of what's to come for either team that makes it through. But it's 
I would rather not face them. I know they're having a rough time. I know they're not the team that they were last season, but they still did go away to to Liverpool and score five, and they handled the business today against them and got a 1-0 win. So they're always going to be a team that shows up in the Champions League. They make it tough, and they never die. They never say, we're out of it. I mean, I was watching a quick TikTok of our game there last season, the quarterfinal away at Madrid. And mind you, we're the only English team that's beaten them in in a long time. I think Arsenal did it maybe 20 or so years ago. So I'm watching that clip, right? And like, we were 3-0 up. We really just had to hold on and and make it through. But they came back and, and they made it through and, and ended our, our dreams and hopes. But if there's one team they wouldn't want to face, I think that's Chelsea. Because they've said it. Their players have said it. Vinicius has said it. Chelsea have given them a tough time in the last two years, and uh, I wouldn't expect anything different this time around, but I think let's just stay away from each other, at least in the quarterfinals. Listen, look, to go to the Champions League final, I've always said this, and I maintain this, you've got to be the beat the best to be the best. So I'm not saying I want to play Real Madrid just yet, but keep that in mind when we talk about picking the teams. One more thing I'll say, Rahul, is... A lot of talk about the Premier League spending a lot of money. I think at some point they talked about the Premier League spent, well, I think Chelsea spent more money in the January transfer window than the top five leagues combined. But the Premier League overall, wealthiest league, a lot of money there. But two English teams there, Chelsea and, and Manchester City. But you look at Italy, right? Three teams making it into the quarterfinal. Italy has been up and down recently as far as the Champions League go. I don't remember the last time an Italian team won the Champions League. And I don't want to I don't want to say the wrong thing, but is this the resurgence of Italian football? Are we seeing a comeback on the European stage where the likes of Napoli, Inter, and AC can start breaking those barriers down and being a regular fixture in the in the final runs towards the Champions League final? I mean, yes and no, because I look at the Inter Milan and AC Milan games, right? And and we said they make it make it through on one goal. And on a different day, Spurs really should be beating AC Milan, but Spurs are Spurs, and they always bottle it. Uh, and in Inter Milan, I, I, Porto were very close to getting a goal, especially yeah. at the end of that game. I, I watched a little bit of it, and they hit the bar, they hit the post, the goalie had to make some saves. So I don't know if the return of Italian football, Napoli definitely are are holding the flag and, and want a flag to uh, have. What, what am I trying to say? They want to uh, hoist a flag for, for for Italy pretty high. But with the other two, I'm not sure just yet. But you look at it and you said they have the most teams from uh, Europe in, in the last eight. And you got to give them credit. I think they've bought smart. You look at AC Milan, Tamori, Giroud, uh, Tonali, another player that, that we're, we've kind of kept an eye on. Inter Milan have bought players from Manchester United. Uh, in the past with, um, I forget his name, the right back they have. Ashley Young was there for a little bit. Lukaku obviously is there. So they are buying the players that are helping them. But I think with Premier League and, and if it wasn't for Spurs, I think we would have at least a third team in in this uh, round. But you got to give Italy credit. They they got the results and that's what they do. They, they, they hold out and they defend and, and move on. Look, I think the right back you were talking about was Matteo Darmian, if yep. I'm not mistaken. He didn't really make it for Manchester United. But I like that you brought that link between England and Italy, where a lot of players, even you took a Tammy Abraham that's gone on there to right. continue their career. They're picking from players that, with the highest respect to them, Rahul, maybe 
teams thought were finished. You know, you talked about Giroud, who was not going to make it far. You talked about Ibrahimovic going back to Italy. You look at Tamori, who was a forgotten man at Chelsea. And I bring you Tammy Abram because we're close and we remember him. But they pick up these players who we think are not the highest quality or finished or older, and they find a way to make them look like gems. And Tamori, again, we knew we had a gem and we made a mistake there, but he's just gone on to develop into one of these fantastic centre-backs. I think he was... Uh, AC Milan player of the year last season, if I'm not mistaken. But again, credit to, to Italy. And I think we want to see them back in these glory days like we were used to as kids. But let's talk about who we would love to play in the quarterfinals and then who you would like to play in the semifinals. And look, this is purely for fun. It's very, very difficult to predict what would happen. My money is that UEFA is corrupt, and I've said that many <laughs> times. And so they're going to find a way for us to have a Real Madrid reunion. But forget that for a minute. Who would you love to play in the quarterfinals and going on to the semifinals if we make it out of the quarterfinals? I would like to face Inter Milan next. And in both cases, I want us to be home second <laughs> <laughs> because we've seen what we can do. Uh, so Inter Milan next. I don't mind a Benfica or AC Milan in the semifinals. And then one of the other three in the final. But Again, it's it's for fun. It's the ideal situation. I think worst case would be we end up with the Bayern, then we have to face a Madrid or a Man City. But then that opens up the final to maybe an Inter or an AC or maybe even a Benfica. <laughs> so, uh, like you said, we've got to we've got to play the best. We've got to beat the best. But uh, for this round, I'm I'm okay with an Inter or even an AC Milan go back to Italy uh, and and get the job done. I'm a little bit irritated because I think I told you off camera I wanted into Milan and you told me that you wanted Benfica. <laughs> so my prep speech of who I wanted is gone. I, I do want into Milan and I think it's for selfish reasons. I told you earlier I would love to see Lukaku on the bench eating some pizza <laughs> and pasta. But just to keep it interesting, I would also not mind playing Napoli. And I think that would be an extremely, extremely tasty fixture. I think that is a very, very high test of Chelsea. And I know you're smiling there and you're looking at me like, are you crazy? Do you really want to play them? And I, and I think we have some history there, Rahul. We've brought some players from Napoli. You talked about Jorginho. We brought a manager from Napoli in Sarri. We had one of our greatest ever Champions League run against Napoli. So I want to relive those glory days. I want to have that passion that we've just, had against just, Napoli. Just watch it on YouTube. <laughs> we, we don't need to face Napoli, at least at this point. <laughs> Listen. I told you, winning changes my mentality. I have no fear left. Beating beating Leicester has told me that I can beat any team out there. No. <laughs> Look, I'm just kidding. I think for a tasty fixture, though, Rahul, that would be a fun one to watch. But obviously, on paper, I would love to play Inter Milan. I think that would be a good a good matchup to kind of bring some history between us and Lukaku to bed here. And, and no disrespect to them. I think they're they're a good team and they'll give us a tough game. But looking at where we are and, and if we need to get a little more belief not that sounding from you, not that we need it anymore, but uh, <laughs> if we need to get a little more belief within the fan base, within the the players and, and the, the squad, maybe an Inter Milan, and then we can take on uh, a couple more bigger tasks ahead of us. But we'll, we'll see what happens on Friday morning. So what's the worst case scenario? If you're afraid of Napoli, my friend, who is the worst team you would not want to face in the quarterfinals? I think you said uh, a Madrid or a Bayern, maybe? Uh, in in this particular order, it would be Bayern, Napoli, Madrid, Man City. Okay, worst I've already, case. <laughs> I've already picked Napoli as one of my my best cases for us. So, I think for me, Rahul, maybe playing Real Madrid because I think 
we can beat them, but I think I'm getting a little bit tired of the fixture now. It's a little bit predictable, so I want to see something fresh and a little more exciting. And Napoli is one I haven't seen in a long time, so that's going to be an interesting <laughs> one to go to. So, hey, Rudiger is on the other side now, so that'll be a tasty one if we end up with Madrid. Either way, you can look at Benfica and say Enzo is back, and you can yeah, look at yeah. and say all of the things. That, so lots of back and forth between these teams. It'll be exciting either way. Let's move on from the Champions League, because I think that's only so much excitement my stomach can handle for now. I want to talk about transfers, and, and listeners may be going, it's March 15th. Why is Rahul and Jackie bringing up transfers? But listen. That is the way Todd Bowley works these days. He's not <laughs> going to go. He's not going to go back to his first summer where it seems scattergun. We are linked with players early. We're getting business done early, and some of the players we're getting linked with are fitting the model. But one player in particular absolutely does not fit the model. But it does align with what Todd Bowley wants, which is a star signing, someone who can sell shirts and make money for Chelsea. But let's start with some of the more logical ones, Rahul. Victor Osman. I think we talked a little bit about Napoli. Maybe that's why I want to face Napoli because I want to see what this kid is all about. He is a young Nigerian striker. He has got some phenomenal numbers overall for Napoli this season. He has been linked with Chelsea, I think going back to early in the summer when he had a good season last season. But this season, he's absolutely on fire. and. His idol growing up was none other than Didier Drogba. Is he a good signing for Chelsea if this happens? I mean, on paper, it absolutely is. It's it's a player that's informed. It's a player that's been scoring goals. It's something that we're missing. So you'd say, right, this this makes absolute sense. Let's go pay the money and get him. But this wouldn't be the first time we bring a striker over from Italy. You mentioned Shevchenko. We've spoken about Lukaku. Uh, and it hasn't worked, and I'm not saying this won't work, but signs are the Italian league. Even Tammy Abraham, when he went there first season, was performing much better than he did against for Chelsea. I mean, so I I don't know. The money would be pretty high. The expectations would be pretty high, and suddenly uh, if he doesn't perform, then we're looking at another striker. So I think I've just my hands have been burnt a little bit too much with with our failures to bring in a striker. But on paper, like I said, it's a good move. It, it makes sense. He would want to test himself out in in England, and it would it would make sense. But again, I I, I don't know about the money that will be involved. You think about some of the strikers that didn't make it coming from Italy, and I remember. Mutu, Adrian Mutu, who was a phenomenal striker but had some issues with off-field problems. I wouldn't get into details there. And Crespo, who was another phenomenal player for the likes of Inter and AC. In fact, we loaned him back there when he came to us and we thought that he was a great striker. He just couldn't settle into life in, in England for whatever reason, and that happens. But then I look at some of the positives, Rahul. You look at Gianfranco Zola who came from Italy, and you know the memories that come from there. So I got to I gotta bring that in and show you some positives that are come. Of course, we have to dig a little bit deeper and kind of figure that out. And you then think about the late, great Gianluca Vialli as well. So we have had, we have had some luck, Rahul, some luck. It's a little <laughs> bit in older history, but we have had some luck with, with players coming from Italy. So overall, I think if Papa Boli can get a deal done, I think we're missing that physical, strong forward presence. And... The little rumors I've heard is Lukaku maybe coming back to Chelsea. 
It doesn't seem like he wants to play for Chelsea. It doesn't seem like Chelsea want him. Maybe there's room there for a swap or something along those lines, especially with a big squad. So definitely will be interesting to see. I'd be excited to have a striker that can finish some of these, these things that are happening. Another one I want to talk about is coming back home to England. I hope I say his name right. Bruno Gumaresh. Apparently, Chelsea were linked with him in January to be a partner to Enzo. Apparently, that is coming back up, and we might actually put a bid in and try and get him into the squad. What do you make of this one? And do you even think Newcastle will sell? I don't think Newcastle. Not this version of Newcastle. Maybe right. previous versions where <laughs> where they would have wanted the the profit. But I think this this Newcastle team are building around Gimaraj. They're building a, a team with younger players. They, they obviously haven't bought a superstar, but Gimaraj has kind of turned into that with the performances. And when he came in, I think he was kind of a, a hot item around Europe. So it was interesting that he agreed to go to, to Newcastle, but credit to them for identifying him, selling the project. And, and he's come in and made a difference in that midfield. So, um, if it does come through, I, I think I'd be delighted. It would be great to see Enzo with someone like a Bruno Guimaraes mm-hmm. next to him because uh, Bruno does some of the hard, dirty work that yeah. would enable Enzo to go ahead and do the fancy flicks and tricks that we, we've come to see in the last few months. So I think that would be a good one. But again, I don't see Newcastle selling him, especially to us, because we're, we're almost like a top four rival at this point, uh, even though we sit pretty far below them. Um <laughs> But you never know with Boley and, and his determination to get the player he wants, he may he may get it done. It'll be definitely interesting if he's able to pinch Gumaresh from Newcastle, especially given where they are in the league and their project with the financial backing they have as well. But the last one I want to talk about before we move on to Everton, Rahul, is apparently Papa Boley has been in Paris and he's not only been there to sip some lovely wine and eat some chocolate croissants, <laughs> meeting with Paris Saint-Germain and we all get excited and we go you know Mbappe could be that striker <laughs> that we need he's been spotted in a Chelsea jersey when he was younger and we're all jumping for joy because he's the next big thing he could be the next Ballon d'Or winner but no we're linked with 31 year old injury prone crybaby Neymar <laughs> what what do you make of this one and where is he going to fit into the team if this happens Honestly, this isn't the first time. I think last summer we were hearing of of Neymar. And yep. look, he's a good player. I'm not going to say anything bad about that. He's one that on his day, on his season, uh, can be a difference maker. But you spoke about the injuries. And it's like when March comes around, Neymar goes away until April. Uh, March doesn't exist in his, <laughs> his world. He just has to be on vacation. And I think we know all the jokes and everything that come around. But it's just consistently every time around this time of the year he he's out uh crybaby i think you said it with with the the play acting a little bit and look the talent's there right there's no there's no denying that he's a great player any team in the world would want him but with the age with what we're trying to do i don't know if it's the right move for us we've We've got the likes of Mudrik, Sterling, who can play down the left. Neymar can obviously play in the middle, in, in the front too. But I, I don't know. I don't think it's the right move. And hopefully, Boli is just gaslighting us, and he's actually there for for Mbappe because that would get me excited. Listen, and you think about players, right, Rahul? Chelsea is still linked with potentially making Yao Felix's, you know, transfer permanent. We still have to sort out the Mason Mount contract. 
Madueke is young and up and coming. Callum Hudson-Odoi is coming back. You look at all of this talent that Chelsea have, and then you wonder if they went for somebody like Neymar, who would be, first of all, very expensive, to command an expensive wage structure, which I think Chelsea is trying to kind of balance and move away from. You then wonder, after all of that, is he the right personality to come into a project and guide some of these young players? And I think the little I know about him, no. I could be completely wrong. He may have matured, but I think everything that we know from the media and his portrayal of who he has as a person is we should just let that person stay in Paris and enjoy his time in Paris. We'll see him every now and then wave hello, but I don't <laughs> think he's the right fit for Chelsea at this point in time. And, so. and we and we have Nkunku coming in. I mean, I think it was this week, Fabrizio Romano said, don't worry, it's it's happening. So that's another front player that was coming into the club and, and someone that will have to settle in and find his spot. So I think you're right. We have enough options already and we have one more coming actually two more with Hudson Odoi so uh, we need to sort that out before we talk of or think about bringing in more players and more superstars uh, because we're only making it more difficult for Graham Potter I 100% agree with that and that's something I never thought we would say because we want to blame Potter for a little bit but let's move on because Potter has been good lately and he has a chance to be even better against Everton so what can you share with me about Everton coming up I'm almost afraid to share this because the last time we shared something like this it was against <laughs> Southampton and we know how that ended. But yep. Chelsea are unbeaten in their last 27 Premier League home games against Everton. They won 15 and drawn 12. Uh, the last time they lost at the bridge was in 1994. It was a 1-0 loss. Uh, and against no other side have Chelsea had a longer unbeaten run at Stamford Bridge in the top flight. So that points towards the right thing, but you just never know. Uh, Everton have beaten Chelsea in each of the last four Premier League campaigns, although all of their victories were at Goodison Park, uh, which obviously helps us in this case. We haven't completed a league double over them since 2016-2017, Jackie, so uh, it's time, but you just don't know. And and, uh, what was it? The Ginger Mourinho, Stone Cold, Sean (laughs) Dyche is coming coming to town, and he's come in and made a difference. I think uh, Lampard was held on but ultimately i think the writing was on the wall for for a while that he was going to be let go and uh, everton can't afford to be relegated they have a new stadium in the works so they bring in deitch and he started off well he won against arsenal lost against liverpool won against leeds lost against villa lost against arsenal again draw against nottingham forest won against brentford which i think was impressive so he's had a few good results they've all been at goodison park again so uh, away from home, they haven't won a game. They've drawn one, so they haven't picked up that many points under him. And I, I kind of do expect them to come up, come show up on Saturday, be tight, be solid for as long as possible, try to nick it on the counter, and that's where I think Chelsea need to be aware and and do what we kind of did against Leeds, where put the game or put at least one goal in, which opens up Everton, and and then we take it from there. All of your stats have got me very, very worried. And I think in the last episode, I said, I'm not a superstitious person. So I'm going to change my tune a little bit and I'm going to come up with my shoddy graphics here and knock on some wood <laughs> that none of this comes true and we're actually able to keep our our stats that we've had with 27 years and beating them all the time and all of that. Because Like you said, a team that's under pressure. Again, they've climbed out of the relegation battle, which is important to note. But 
we have seen with these teams that are lower in the Premier League and wanting to build some distance from the relegation battle, they come to play, Rahul, and, and that can be in the form of, I'm going to park all of my players here, wait till the 80th minute, and then hit you with everything I've got, which I looked back at the Leicester game, and while we did heap some praise on Chelsea, we were shaky at times, which tells me that while there is progress, we are not the finished article yet, and I think every Chelsea fan knows that. So I want the confidence to build, and I want us to get a win, but at the same time, we should not underestimate Everton and all of these stats that we've read of being good against them and you know having good performances and good results. That goes out the window for games like this when we've been shaky all season and they've been shaky all season. This is one where we can build on and continue to show, like I said, Graham Potter going from good to better. I, I 100% agree with you. It's we can't get caught up with they haven't been good away from home. They've been struggling. They were the better team uh, because that's where complacency comes in. And, right. and we're on a run where we need to finish off before this international break with the win, get the three points. The boys go away. Potter buys some time in terms of he's out of the limelight for another 10 days or so. And then you come back and we're into the final part of the season. We know who we're facing in the Champions League. And and we just go from there, but we can't end this this run that we've had on a on a sour note by dropping points. But we just don't know, and that's that's what Chelsea have given us this season. Really, they have. But one thing we've discussed in the last few episodes, Rahul, is Potter seemed to find maybe not his first team eleven, but a first seven, eight, maybe that are always starting. So why don't you run through the starting eleven and maybe predict the first eight? nine that you can find or maybe it's the same 11 i'm not sure i think it's the same 11 we've had a week off uh maybe a recent sterling come back in with coming back from from a knock or an injury that they picked up so i think kepa and goal continues fofana wesley fofana has been great he continues kulabali who's who's seen some form come back so he's been uh good kukurea i think continues even though i'd like to see better chile uh if Reese James is fit, I'd like to see Reese just get a few more minutes, get a little more uh, fitter, sharper. Kovacic Enzo seems to be the partnership, and I'm okay with that. Chilwell has to play; he needs to continue the good form, his goal scoring form. Uh, and then I think Kai is one that definitely will be part of the front three. But we can kind of discuss the other two positions between maybe a Sterling, a Mudrik, Mason Mount, Jao Felix, Pulisic, Ziyech, uh, quite a few options. Madueke. Uh, available for Potter. Yeah, look, there's a lot of options going going forward, and we've known that for a while. But I think I like that you brought Raheem Sterling back into the starting eleven, and I know that's very big of you because you're not the biggest Raheem Sterling fan as far as Chelsea fans go. But he has played that false nine role in that leading line for Chelsea. Sorry, for Manchester City quite a bit, and we've seen him do it for Chelsea. One thing I've noticed, which I'm very hopeful for, is. Kai Havertz playing from a little bit deeper, a little bit wider with not that pressure on him to be the striker seems to be working. Again, I would bring my shoddy graphics and knock on wood for you here, but I don't <laughs> want to I don't want to downplay the, the production over here. I think Sterling could lead the line. You saw Graham Potter trying to do that with Mudrik a little bit, and Mudrik still trying to find his feet, get into form, so that didn't really work out. But Sterling's done that. He's played that before. He does miss chances, Rahul, but... Hopefully, with that goal against Dortmund, he can build on his confidence and and get more goals because he is a good finisher. And so I think Sterling up front, Shao Felix, I look back, I think I was a little bit harsh on him in the Leicester review. I look back at it and he scored an offset goal. 
He hit the post. He made things happen. Yes, he made a mistake for the Leicester goal, but I'm not going to penalize it for that. I think that he should come back in and, and get an opportunity to get an assist or goal as well. I, I agree with you. And it's going to be a little bit different from the Dortmund, or even the Leicester game, because Everton aren't going to open up at all until they really have to. So uh, maybe the space and, and the the areas that Sterling was getting into against Dortmund or Mudrik was getting into against uh, Leicester may not be there. So it may also require something different and, and maybe a Mason Mount comes in. But I think we go with what we predicted and, and obviously with the five changes and yeah. the quality that we have within the squad, we can always change things. But again, it's crucial that we... We play with the right attitude and and hopefully get the first goal because that opens it up for us and maybe we go on and score a couple more. Yeah, and while I haven't agreed with Graham Potter's substitutions lately, they seem to be working, Rahul. So to your point, if Everton come and they're tight and compact and we can't break them down, hopefully he makes the right choices, whether that's a Gallagher or it's a Mudrik or it's a Madueke. Whatever happens, there's opportunity here to kind of break them down and go from there. So... Let's go to score predictions. How confident are you we're going to win this one? And if we are, what's the scoreline? I'm pretty confident. I think from what I've seen in the last three games, we're we're in some kind of form and there's something good brewing in the background. Uh, Hopefully I don't jinx it. So (laughs) I am going to go for a 3-1. It's going to be tight, but I think we can do it. Uh, a lot of fans have said we've scored one against Leeds, two against Dortmund, three against Leicester. So this is the game for four. Uh, but ultimately, I'll be happy with the win, regardless of how it happens, a 1-0, a 2-1, a 3-1, whatever it is. Uh, because if we win it, Jackie, we go up to 40 points. And suddenly, we're putting a little bit more pressure on the teams ahead of us, like Fulham, Brentford, and Brighton. Uh, and I giggle because we've been used to saying Man City, Liverpool, Man United. <laughs> but that's where we are. And... and Look, I, I, I'm okay missing out on Europe, but I think if we have an opportunity, let's go for it. Let's see where we end up, and, and we take it from there. Well, you giggle saying Fulham, Brentford. <laughs> I giggle because when we were growing up watching football, 40 points was the magic number to survive relegation. So I'm proud that my team <laughs> has survived relegation, or at least that's the magic points we're going to hit to survive relegation. Look, I say that being facetious and trying to be funny, but... In theory, I would like to see a clean sheet as well. I think that we've built and we've shown that we can keep clean sheets. I think that the one goal against Leicester that we gave away, we had a mistake. Kepa maybe saw it late, or we can be critical of Kepa that he's not the, the tallest goalkeeper out there, but I want to see that clean sheet and build from it. So I'm going to go for a 2-0. I think we're perfectly capable of doing that. Maybe not that 4 and all that Chelsea fans are saying because Everton will be tight and compact. So one to get in there as early as we can two to kill the game, and then let's do the game management that we're seeing Potter kind of get famous for. So, And and I'd be okay with that. But where are you watching this game, Jackie? I am going to be joining the Houston Blues Supporters Club. We're going to be going to the pub. It's a late enough kickoff. So I hope that the Houston Blues and all of the Houston Blues turn out in a big supporting team and we can make some noise and cheer Chelsea on for that fourth win now. I, I certainly hope so. I'll be watching at home. On Fubo TV, uh, Fubo TV is uh, the home of the Premier League in the U.S. and also in Canada, and they're actually offering uh, our listeners, our subscribers here at the Premier Chelsea an opportunity to check them out. So if you go to fubo.tv uh, backslash TPC, uh, 
you will get access at a free trial here in the U.S. to watch the game. It's exclusively on Fubo TV, 1.30 p.m. Eastern, 12.30 p.m. for Jackie in, in Houston. Uh, and do check them out, guys. It's not just the sports, but also a lot of shows. Uh, March Madness, if you're into that. And I know there's a little bit of moves happening in the NFL behind the scenes, so they have coverage on that. Maybe Aaron Rodgers coming to the New York Jets. So uh, a lot going on, and you can definitely check it out on, on Fubo TV. So we'll pro- put the links up uh, on our social medias. But before we wrap it up, Jackie, we just have to touch on the women's team who are back in action in the FA Cup against Reading. And it's an opportunity to progress into the FA Cup uh, to the next round of the FA Cup, move on and, and get closer to a trophy. Like I mentioned, the last game we won, but I, I want to see a little bit more for performance. Congratulations are also in order for Sam Kerr, who won uh, an award at the London Football uh, Award Ceremony earlier this week. And in, in the post-interview, uh, she said she'd love to stay. Her, her contract expires next year in 2024, uh, and she eventually goes, Emma, if you're listening, sign me up. So Emma, if you're listening to this, please sign her up because uh, we can't afford to see Sam Kerr in any other shirt but the blue shirt. Listen, look, she's one of the top women in the game right now. I think anybody who watches the women's game will tell you that. And Rahul, it's a chance to go to the FA Cup semifinals if we win this one. So we know, and we've talked about the women in the last few episodes, Emma Hayes demands this of them. And look, as Chelsea fans, how nice would it be to just move on in the semifinals for the men, the semifinals for the women in the FA Cup, and look, trophies for Chelsea, that's what we do best. And that's where we'll wrap it up, because that's what we do best. Uh, thank you very much for listening, guys. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chelsea on all podcast providers. Instagram and, and Twitter, it's at Premier Chelsea. We will be back on Instagram. I see Jackie chuckling over there. Uh, I got us in a little bit of a trouble. Uh, but we will be back. We'll be we'll be back tomorrow, and we'll post up the episodes, the link to Fubo TV, Kickoff Coffee, all our all our kind sponsors that we have here and partners. Uh, but we will be back with a review of Everton, Reading review, of course, for the women. And Jackie, it's international break. What are we going to preview? We'll we'll have to figure this out. We'll figure it out, but we better get those wins. Absolutely. But thanks for thanks for listening, guys. And we will be back. But until then, stay safe and up the chills. Hey guys, the Premier Chels is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.